Welcome to NetFront Presence. I'm Jeff Gordon of the Post-Dispatch, joined by Jim Thomas and Tom Timmerman of the Post-Dispatch during the uh, pandemic uh, shutdown version of the NetFront Presence. First of all, just got to ask you guys how you're holding up. Uh, it's a little weird doing business this way, no hockey, but uh, uh, Tom, are you, are you still sane? I, I am sane, but I got to tell you, you know, we just ran that 1918 uh, package this, in this uh, the, what, the Thursday post-dispatch about sports in 1918. And after sifting through newspapers from that period for several days, and I read, you know, months and months and months of papers, it, it totally screwed me up in that I started thinking I was in 1918. And, th- and then I started thinking, well, things are getting better. Look at this. The, 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 the flu, you know, the flu deaths are down to this and the numbers are getting better. And gosh, I'm talking about opening. Then I have to remind myself, oh, wait, no, this, this is 100 years ago. I would be jolted back to a, to the unpleasant reality uh, of what we have now. But uh, reading those papers, I got caught up in the events of the time. Well, JT, they did try to play the cup back then, and it didn't work out so well. It didn't have a, a happy ending. No, the uh, I guess the Canadians got the flu. Those stories all were fascinating, by the way. Just all three of them. It was a great, great package. And uh, uh, sports writing was uh, very colorful, uh, back then it was it was just uh, it was just great to, to read some of those quotes and see those old pictures you can tell that tom is a little out of whack it took him a while he, he paused trying to think of what day it was that it was actually mm-hmm. thursday and uh i think uh, we're all experiencing a a, a a little bit about that i actually went out in the car about three days ago and uh to fill a prescription for my wife and drop something off in the uh uh, at the uh, postal service box, and it was like quite an adventure, just getting in the car and and going uh, maybe uh, a quarter of a mile away from home. So that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Well, there has been a little bit of news here lately, guys. The uh, during this uh, shutdown, uh, our a favorite of the post dispatch and the net front, Sammy Blay, uh, did go ahead and agree to his uh, new contract going forward. Another one of these uh, deals with a young guy who's on modest money, an important piece. Uh, as they try to balance the budget, whatever that's going to look like going forward. But uh, at least some assurance for Sammy. It's got to be reassuring during this difficult time uh, to have that out of the way. Yeah, no no doubt about it. And, uh, again, a, a modest price. It's a, it's a good increase for him. He went from eight fifty a year to, to a million and a half. And, you know, Sammy had such a great, great start. He was on pace, you know, it was early in the season, about a fourth of the way through the season. He was on pace for a 20-goal season. And he was never, you know, he misses two and a half months with the wrist surgery and he was never quite the same uh, after that, but it's just one less player that they have to think about. And uh, really their, their list, obviously you've got, you've got Petro on there, but their list is really light. They've, they've knocked a few out. They only have uh, what about three restricted free agents left. And uh, then you have, uh, uh, you know, you have Petro and, and, and Bo Meester and, and Brower as, as UFA. So uh, uh, really, other than Petro, you know, Dunn will get a nice race, but he, he's not arbitration eligible, but he'll still get a nice race. It, it, it's not the most daunting of a free agent list for Doug Armstrong and, and Ryan Miller. Well, uh, Tom, the, uh, another bit of business that got done since last we were on the net front uh, was an important piece of business. Uh, Scott Brunovich, the Hobie Baker Award winner, uh, could have become a free agent later this summer and had he wanted to play this whole thing out through this uncertain period, but the Blues maintained a good relationship with him through his college days. Uh, Doug Armstrong did his time, did his work. And um, if the Blues do come back and play this year, uh, we could see him. 
Uh, you, you could. It, it's um, it's that's going to be interesting how uh, how he fits in. Obviously, there are guys in the line ahead of him and Mikola and Wallman coming up, but uh, certainly the Blues are are high on the guy, and certainly you know, according to the Hobie Baker, the best college player uh, this year. Certainly, they going forward wouldn't mind him getting they wouldn't mind him getting some experience in the AHL just to get his feet wet. But how the Blues defense situation sorts itself out. Uh, going forward, you know, we who knows when we'll find it out. Who knows when NHL free agency happens? But um, yeah, it's uh, uh, getting him there, getting him in. Uh, certainly, a player of that quality, a, a big thing for the for the franchise. Well, JT, he's not exactly a, a Craig Berube type player. He's not a big defenseman. He doesn't have the the long levers and so forth. But he is a modern NHL defenseman in the sense of being able to see the ice. Uh, make passes, the good first pass, uh, play make in the offensive zone. He just seems to have the instinct and the feel for the game. He added enough heft, I suppose, to, to function in the pros. But, you know, a little bit of a different type defenseman for, for uh, the Chief. Yes, certainly. I want to see him stand next to Colton Pareko when he, when he first arrives. Oh, man. He's, he's like 5'9". He's like in talking to his coach, describing how you've always got to be ready, he can make passes where it doesn't seem like there's openings, and you've, you've got to have that stick down. It sounds like he's, at least at the college level, he was a college version of uh, Robert Thomas in terms of the uh, passing. But, yeah, I think the big thing is how, how does that frame uh, adjust not only to uh, the NHL, but the, the blue style of play. Now, uh, Doug Armstrong has talked about some of the other younger, smallish defensemen in recent years that have, that have come up, uh, Tory Krug, uh, Fox from uh, – from the New York Rangers, uh, Quinn Hughes. Uh, so they think he'll fit into that, uh, that mold. But uh, it, it's very interesting that they did the two-tiered agreement because they, they really think uh, he, he will at least be on the roster. Maybe he won't play, but he'll at least be on the roster if we have hockey again in the 1920 season. Now, if, uh, if Pruvich wants to see how it's going to be in the NHL, he just needs to look at how the Blues have played uh, Sam Girard of the uh, the Avalanche. Every time the Blues play uh, the Avalanche, they go way out of their way trying to punish <laughs> Girard, who's who's the same size as as Prudovich. So, if he wants it, Tom, if he wants a sample of what it, what he's up against, he just has to look at some uh, Blues Avalanche games and and see what the Blues do against the little guy on the other side. Yeah, there's plenty. There's not plenty, but ample examples to uh, to to get him in the uh, get him up to speed. Be interesting to see. You know, do you, do you play, could you pair him with a with another short defenseman, or you pair? You know, they've all been the you know it's the windshield wiper concept of guys with massive outreaches. You, do you play him with a big guy? Could you? What happens if you play him with a small guy all of a sudden? How does that change the uh, the makeup of the back line? Yeah, I don't think he'll be killing penalties, but uh, <laughs> that much for sure. Now, on the big picture, guys, well, for, first, the, let's check in on the Blues. We did have a chance to see them all at once, and uh, the rest of the North America did as well on a gigantic Zoom conference. Uh, JT, not a lot of insight, but a, a couple of nuggets that you picked up. Uh, I, like the, I like news about the theme song, and then also uh, the bonding over uh, a lot of wine and cards, as it turns out, last yeah. year. So, yeah. Anyways, thanks, Jake. <laughs> yeah, no, that, yeah, that, and, and uh, also talking about uh, Scandella uh, taking out his frustration on the dead trees of uh, uh, the outskirts of yeah. uh, Montreal uh, uh, 
uh, Quebec. That was fun. I, I have to say, the NHL, far and away, they've done a great – is that Bella? Yes. There you go, the famous Bella. Hey, Bella, how you doing? Yeah, we, we don't we want Bella joining the podcast necessarily, but uh, uh, yeah. we, my, yeah. my, my dog's downstairs as well. But, uh, yeah, so there were some visuals that came out of our uh, the Zoom conference with the Blues. Yeah, yeah, and then you had David Perron talking about the uh, – just what the, the matchup now would be uh, would be Nashville if if there were no playoffs and, and you go now and talking about uh, that matchup but uh, yeah Vince Dunn uh, spilling the beans on the uh, on the uh, glorious song you know about maybe three weeks to a month before the season uh, shut down or was paused you know I just asked him about it it just seems like uh, there are a lot of things different about this run there was there's no puck rack uh, don't see nearly as much of Layla. And I said, is there a, there's no victory song. Is there? So, yeah, we got one. And I said, well, what is it? And he said he, he didn't know. And uh, I don't think Vince was, uh, was uh, uh, being on the slide. When you're 23 years old, you, you, you probably aren't familiar with many of Eddie Murphy's, uh, uh, Eddie no. Murphy's uh, victory songs. But, and you kind of get the feeling that maybe the Blues didn't want to make a big deal out of it, you know, this year. Well, now it's out of the bag. And, you know, if anything else, the, the Blues crack uh, social media department, they'll be playing the hell out of that thing if we ever get back to hockey this season. Yeah, Tom, the, uh, while the song may be one of the worst songs ever recorded, nonetheless, it fits the group, uh, judging from uh, what we saw last summer. Yeah, they, they will, given the chance, party all the time. Party all the time. <laughs> party all the time. It's so, not – I mean, let's rate it. It's not, it's not even close to Gloria, is it? You know, Gloria is right at the end of the disco era. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just I, – I wouldn't rate it nearly in the same class. Your, your guys' thoughts? No, no it's, it's – I, I think you go – you really almost look for a deliberately bad song in this case, I suppose. And they came up with one, Tom. <laughs> yeah, they sure did. Tommy, what do you think? Gloria or, or – or, or, uh, I, I, think, I think, yeah, given a choice, I'd probably go with Gloria. Somehow I see Robert Bertuzzo's hand in this. He seems like a – like a like someone who would be a strong advocate of, of party all the time. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He was one of the guys that was the ringleader of the, uh, uh, and I guess there were almost annual trips to uh, Cabo with with several of the players. And I guess with the departure of Edmondson, that thing didn't didn't happen this year. Plus, you had the All Star Game in 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 St. Louis. But yeah, I I could definitely see uh, Bartuzzo's fingerprints on that on that puppy there. All right, so now the guys are they're, they're starting to get restless, uh, as is everybody else at this point. Um, you're start. Are you getting any any sense of, of the, the thought pattern with the NHL? I've seen some talk of they really want to get the, the playoffs in one way or the other. Uh, they're not. They'd love. They're, they'd like to get some regular season games in, but I think they're flexible there. And uh, you know, one of the things that kind of st stood out to me was I guess there's some talk of maybe even like a abbreviated playoff series of a best of three, which would be a whole different animal. Mm -hmm. uh, if hockey does come back than what we're used to seeing the, the Stanley cup marathon, it could be a, uh, a significantly uh, different sort of a tournament. If we get to that point. Yeah. Well, as we all know, the, the NHL much more dependent on uh, ticket revenue and gate revenue. And I was told just the, about the, it's about, I guess one seventh of the season left roughly plus the playoffs, just that chunk is like 20% of the revenue mm. pie, and it's a 50-50 split. So they need this money, and I, 
we've seen now this week, Bettman talking more and more. He, he's okay with August hockey. The players are on board because they are literally partners with the NHL. At least it seems like most of the players other than Drew Doughty are, are on board. <laughs> and so uh, uh, I don't know how they can make it happen without playing like a neutral site. North Dakota has uh, opened its arms to the uh, NHL where they play like all the playoff games there. I, you know, I, I don't know. And, and what does that do if you're playing without any, even uh, Dr. Fauci has, Fauci has said that uh, uh, they'd be okay to, to play without fans and with really a controlled uh, environment. But how does that help the economic picture? Now, I know because there are no Olympics, they have NBC, which is their primary playoff uh, uh, game provider. That's wide open now. Would I, I don't know. Maybe you guys would getting maybe higher ratings. Would that help? the picture where they get more TV money that way. I, I, I don't know, but it, it does sound like Batman is very determined to, to get something in if possible. Yeah. I think any TV money they would take right now, they would, they would, they would, you know, $20, $50, anything would be good <laughs> because right now they got nothing. So uh, yeah. So any money they bring in from that, um, you know, it's, I keep, it's tough to see until there's a vaccine because, you know, it's one thing to have, you know, 23 players on each team and the coaches in isolation. But then all of a sudden you got the equipment guys and you got the you, you, the bus drivers and, you know, the, the trainers and it's just the number grows. And, you know, whoever's bringing them food, are are, are, are we going to be there? The TV guys, because you have to you know sense some playing if you don't televise them. So, I mean, it's, it's not just 20 Blues players and 20 Nashville players. Uh, the numbers get, get pretty big pretty fast and – so that's going to make it tricky. I also think, though, we talk about, Jeff, about shortened playoffs. I, I think the league, if they start, they have to get the number of teams down really fast. Because if you've got 16 teams in the playoffs, any positive test for anybody is going to make it stop. So you want to get down to four teams, eight teams, a small number, as quickly as you can to minimize the chance of a positive test. You don't need somebody from, you know, Calgary or whatever, you know, testing positive, and then all of a sudden everybody's got to stop. So, you I mean, you want to get down to whatever your final four is going to be, I think, really quick. You know, the NHL did best of three playoff series in, in our lifetimes, is, you know, best of three, best of five. That's not out of the question. I, you know, now I think anything less than a best of seven final would not be well received. But uh, I just think that a, a two-month-long playoff, there's just no way that can happen. Yeah, JT, one thing they've uh, – and, and a, compl a complicating factor that Gary Bettman has, uh, has addressed publicly is you've still got about seven teams that are within range legitimately. You've, you've got a – you can look up and honestly say a 24-team playoff with those early games – you know, those early play-in rounds, if you will, existing because if there is no more regular season and there's an, and as is, there's an uneven number of games left uh, in terms of, you know, teams, uh, what they would have left on their schedule. So now you've got that complicating factor. If you're going to have a playoff, you're going to have to make sure that it's fair in terms of, of setting up the bracket. So to Tom's point, that even makes it more difficult when you consider that you, to be fair, you need to have some play-in too. Yeah, well, with the uneven number of games, I think everybody's between like 68 and 71 games. The Blues are at 71. But do you just say, hey, tough, we played 85% of the season. You've had 70 games, basically, to prove yourself. We're going by points percentage. 
but yeah, the league is the league is so it's so even. There could be one if say they had a play in like one play in game for you mentioned seven teams, one player a play a play in team could very well win the cup. You guys know know how it goes. It's really become a case of just get in as the the Blues proved uh, uh, last year. I think I, I'm curious what you guys think. Shorter series hurts the Blues. I, I think their style of play it's more structured. The, the, the hitting, which uh, even by blue standards, really increased in the playoffs. I, I don't think you can just turn that on right away, step out on the ice game one after being uh, out of uh, hockey, not playing hockey since uh, mid-March and, and, and the Blues to get there. By the time they get revved up, they could be eliminated from a series. Yeah, and Tom, not only is it do you need to get to that game, but you also count on that game over a seven-game series to take a toll, to take a cumulative effect. And if you're in a sprint mm-hmm. – not only have you have, you have a hard time getting to your game, you can't really uh, add bruises on top of bruises on top of bruises to the point where you break the other team's will, which is kind of how these guys want to cup. The San Jose yeah, effect, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah you kind of like yeah, Tampa Bay's chances in a, in a situation like that rather than the Blues' chances because it's a style of play. Let's just let's go out there and run. Yeah, that would be that, – that would not work to the Blues' favor. Um, you know, they, they started slow – you know, to this season, uh, they could, it'll be um, probably much the same. They've got to play exhibition games. They're going to have to play some games because we're looking, it's going to end up, you know, we're already past one month. It's going to end up being two months probably before you can play if we ever were to see games. Um, so there's got to be, there will be exhibitions or some kind of warm-ups. But I think the one thing we know is Detroit should not be involved in any postseason. Really? That's the, the one thing. It's, it may be 31 teams in the league, but the, the Red Wings should just be dismissed right now. No, no, there's no need to go there for, for a couple of reasons. Uh, JT, the, uh, the NBA had a plan that was interesting. Um, it was 25 days. That's the one thought process put out there. 11 days of getting in shape, which you could, could, could do with a program given to you by the team uh, in place. Uh, hard to do that in hockey. And then 14 days of, of camp and go. And that would, you know, I was presuming that 14 days would include some exhibition and such to get the NBA teams ready. So I think that's probably the 25 days might be the least. If you think about it in terms of getting guys on the ice, getting their, their legs under them, and then getting them from there uh, into closer to game shape. It's, it, you just can't turn that switch on, JT. Yeah, and, and it's different than just showing up to camp for, for a normal season because of the fact that these players aren't skating. I mean, maybe some are rollerblading, but they're not, they're not skating. I mean, because of that, the players show up, and what, they, they have like three days of camp, and then they're playing preseason games. But so the, the plan was all along with the NHL to start with small group workouts where maybe you have four or five players on the ice at a time, and maybe you could just rotate them through. If you're the Rams, have Rams, the Blues have four or five. Uh, see the 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 isolation here has got me so messed up. I don't even know what team I'm covering here. But but anyway, you could have you could have different shifts. Four or five players come in for for an hour, and then the, the next group comes in. So you have that for a while, and everybody thinks after that maybe two to three weeks to get ready. Now the plan that at least some star players they were never named uh, uh, the the idea was they could start playing as late as August, play into September, take October off, start the 2021 in, in November and maybe cut out the all-star break and the, uh, the bye week, maybe extend the season one week. I, I don't know if that's realistic at, at all. Is that enough time for those 
those bodies to recover. And if you did that and started season November, I, I think the risk of injury is more. And do you, do you, uh, uh, do you allow play uh, teams to keep an extra player or, or, or two on their, on their roster because of that? And, and to the point about, you know, what would happen this year. And uh, this sounds, I mean, I don't want to get all go back to the Spanish flu where they just literally ran out of players. Uh, and guys end up, you know, one in particular died. Um, you don't want to go to that extreme. But I, I do think that where it's going to come down to this season, can you live with the fact that, all right, we're going to test everybody constantly, and if somebody gets sick, then we're going to treat that somebody, and we're going to move on. We're not going to just shut everything down if one guy gets sick. Uh, that, to me, will be the point, because we're not going to be – the reality is if we wait – for a vaccine, then we're, not only is this season done, next year it could be out too. And, and then does the league come back? It, I think it does, but how many teams come back with it? So now you start talking about exit, you know, the, the, very, the, the struggle to exist and how much are you willing to take? Are you willing to have guys get sick and get treated with pre-vaccine? It's a scary concept for the athletes right now, but it's, it's a real one. It's a real one for everybody in the workplace. And I, could, could you guys see a scenario where they would accept that sort of risk? It would be tough. And I, I, there could be some players that would, and may not for, for the bachelors on the team, it may be less of an issue. But if you've got a family, you might say, wait, I'm going to go out there. And, and it's one thing to, I, I may break a leg or I, you know, I may walk with a limp for the rest of my life. But you're talking about, I may get this and die, you know, especially, you know, with the people out there that are, that are parents, well, that's, you know, that could be a tough sell. And what do you do if somebody on, you know, you, you've got to, you've got to allow them not to play. You can't force these guys to go out. So uh, it's, it's going to be complicated. And I think, and once, I think if somebody tests positive, you got to be, it's going to be hard if they go into quote unquote isolation to have just one guy test positive. If one guy tests positive, it's almost going to guarantee you a dozen guys are going to test positive because they're going to be in such close quarters. So, you know, that first one, it's, it's, it's going to be tough. I don't, I, I don't know that we would see a situation where one guy, so yeah, pre-vaccine, it's going to be, it's going to be tough to get back out there. Hey JT, think about what would have happened had the NHL waited two weeks because we see, we've seen what happened, right? We've seen mm -hmm. uh, the positive test that came out. What if they just let it go for two weeks before shutting down? How big of this mess would, would the NHL be in right now, do you think? Well, what as far as we know, we have just, as far as players, just players with, with what is it, Arizona and Ottawa, I think, are the only ones. Colorado. Or uh, well, Colorado and uh, Ottawa. And maybe together, what is it like? Uh, it's like five, six, seven players, something like that. Oh, I, I think it would have been a mess. As much travel as they are, uh, as close proximity as the, uh, as the, as the players are, the, the best thing that happened to the NHL and it was, it happened, I, I believe in the middle of that game in Anaheim on March 11th was the NBA shutting down because a player had tested positive and that, that kind of, uh, that kind of led the way. But yeah, I, Jeff, you're right. It, it, it would have been a mess, especially, you know, the, those, uh, those long flights and the, the blues or a team that, that, that travels a lot, just being on that plane uh, the whole time, especially, you know, I, I'm surprised that, that uh, maybe more people on that uh, th that plane. Uh, although I suspect Tom Timmerman may have had the coronavirus, and and uh, <laughs> and uh, but his doctor said no, right? But because that uh, actually Tom took the longer 
there were two trips right before they shut down and Tom took a much longer trip, but you have John Kelly who was pretty sick apparently. And, uh, uh, sits right in the middle of the plane and players come up and back and forth and, and, and whatnot. Hmm. And you're on that plane for like seven hours from Anaheim. And uh, I'm a little surprised that, uh, maybe a blues player or two didn't, uh, didn't contract the virus. Yeah. Being in New York right before the, the road trip, right before, uh, I mean, the blues got out of New York just in time. I mean, if, if that road trip had been, you know, just a few days later, that would have been, uh, starting in the time when things got really messy. So, uh, the blues got a little bit of a break there, uh, in retrospect, because, uh, just a, a couple days later, and it could have been really bad to be in New York then. Okay, now, the last topic on the net front for this edition is, uh, we're not sure when the game will come back and in what form, how soon fans will be involved. But we do know, broadly speaking, that we're looking at an economic impact that's probably um, two, three years at least in, in a league where, again, you mentioned earlier, the players and the, uh, the owners are, a part, are in a partnership. They split up the revenue. That drives the salary cap. Uh, they're going to have to figure out how to go forward uh, with a business that was looking for a, a cap increase and, and continued revenue growth into a scenario where there could be massive revenue loss, at least for a year and a half, you know, season or, you know, rest of this season and one more at least. Uh, I'll start with you, JT. How do you manage that? I mean, it's a good thing that there's a partnership because it's going to take a lot of work to figure out what to do a guy like Alex Petrangelo, the other free agents, salary caps, guys that are already under contract, it's going to be, it's going to be uh, complicated. Yeah, it is. And just start with Petrangelo. Uh, the, the immediate question I got from some readers, well, Blayside, what about Petrangelo? Well, a million and a half is quote unquote small change with Petro. I, I guess you're starting at about 9 million. You don't know what the cap is. So how do you negotiate there? Now, I'm sure Petro and or his agent called and said, hey, we'd be willing to do the return for this amount of money. And it was reasonable. I think Doug Armstrong would sign him and just, just worry about making the cap work that, you know, kick the can down, down the road a little bit, but let's just say it's a, it's a, it's a 20% uh, decrease in the cap. You're going, the estimates had been from 84 to uh, 88 million for the cap going up. Uh, what if it's 20% of uh, 85 million, that's like 17 million left. How does that work? I mean, I, I don't know. Plus, you go to next season, all the advertisers aren't going to come back. Some may just be tightening their budget. Some of the businesses may go out of business. Hockey fans are crazy. We know in St. Louis, do all the fans come back and start, you know, sitting in the stands to, to fans of a search? Do they just say, oh, I'll, I'll watch on TV? So, yeah, it, it, it's there's a lot of layers to this. Yeah, you look at yeah, – uh, you look at the Petrangelo situation, you know, if the cap goes way down, no team can sign him or can sign him at $9 million because just nobody has that kind of room unless you, it was a weird situation where you have a whole lot of expiring contracts. So, you know, unless they do some things to artificially boost the cap, you know, the, the asking price, his asking price might, might be unreachable for any team. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. Well, they could have massive amounts of money in escrow. You're going to have to figure that out how to get that out of escrow over the years. I mean, it just seems uh, they're going to, there's going to be a lot of shared pain here uh, for both sides. And again, the only good thing is there, if you have a structure where there's a shared interest and uh, there's a formula so that they, they, they have to work together. I mean, there's, 
They just must. And, and luckily, the league's been doing well. The, most of the players have been doing well. So mm-hmm. it seems like it's surmountable. But, boy, you know, for some of those guys that are just coming into the industry, it's going to look a lot different than it, it might have uh, two, three years ago. Yeah, you know, you were talking about how teams come out of this. The Blues, to win the Stanley Cup last year, was the perfect thing for them because they don't, they don't have the deep pockets that's, you know, that Toronto has or some of these clubs have. They don't have an owner who's a, who's a billionaire. Uh, it, things are tight for them, but they can't, they're coming off their most profitable season ever. They've got more money now than they have had in the franchise's existence. So if ever a thing was like this was going to happen, this was – as good as they could hope for because, you know, they probably have as much reserves now as they have had in the franchise's history. So Jeff, when are we going to see Jacob Delarose again? Tell me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, he, he was a little, he didn't have much to offer on that. I was hoping to get more out of him on that uh, zoom chat there. It was, uh, yeah, his, <laughs> he had a, a meager offering into the, uh, no, yeah, to, he was on the screen. They had to talk to him. He was on the screen. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I, maybe he had somewhere to be, I don't know. But uh, all right. Well, this has been, uh, it's been great guys. I want to th- thank you guys for coming on board the net for our presence. Uh, reminder that all of our podcasts are available on stltoday.com slash podcast. We'll certainly be uh, back as we get closer to resumption of play. Uh, but uh, until then for Tom Timmerman, for Jim Thomas, I'm Jeff Gordon. Stay safe out there and uh, keep your family safe. Until next time, we'll see you.